Hello everyone, welcome to Covenants with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. Um, maybe this is a new phase. They always say season, isn't it? That's how they put it in terms of church talk. A new yeah. season in your life. <laughs> but we're kind of in a new phase. Uh, we are now mostly podcast. And with that, we have chosen to, I guess, reach out. That's another one of those wonderful sort of phrases. Reach out to a little bit of a different audience than before. Uh, we do appreciate all our broadcast listeners, should you have found us at this particular point. Uh, Congratulations. <laughs> it's not always easy, right? What is Covenants? Specialized pastoral care services. And if you want to be thorough, add the Christian Counseling Ministry on the end of that. And the whatever your platform, you should find us. Uh, if you don't, though, shouldn't have. I guess by now you would have. But if you have neighbors, friends who are looking for us, even if they go under what is Covenants Specialized Pastoral Care and should leave off the Christian Counseling Ministry, just make sure you put Dave Clay down and uh, your platform should be able to find the podcast. Mm -hmm. And if you click on it. And, and again, not for those who are listening, because at this point it's all podcast, but for those maybe who uh, you know are still again, trying to figure out where we went, uh, you can find us on our Facebook page, Covenants. Uh, but we made a decision, and the decision was that we wanted to reach a little bit of a different, reach out to a little bit of a different audience or broader audience, and uh, thought this might be the, the best way to go. And certainly for the, the sake of longevity, uh, we felt like this was a much more viable means of communication. Uh, and uh, <laughs> now we're depending on you, our listeners, to just spread the news, word of mouth, and also listen to Walk FM, <laughs> where you will then find our, uh, I guess it's really, it's kind of not like a commercial, but it's at least an acknowledgement. Our that, promo. Yes, that we've decided <laughs> that that was a ministry that we wanted to support and uh, found them to be very open and receptive. And again, it opens us up to a little bit of a different audience uh, than we had previously and uh, certainly we want to go ahead and thank them in as much of a public fashion as we can on the podcast. But tell everybody about us. Find us on Facebook. Find us at covenantsonline.com. Uh, listen on Walk FM and you'll hear our, what you call it? Our promo. Promo. <laughs> and uh, it will also give instructions. Tell your friends, your neighbors, folks at church about us as well. Did I do that well? Did I do that properly? You did well. that very well. And I want to share with you that I had someone at church ask me what was the name of our podcast that they wanted to look it up. So that was exciting. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, they're interested yeah. inquiring minds. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, with the Provo, uh, they left off um, Christian Counseling Ministry. But I think you can still find us. What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care? Make sure you enter in Dave Clay. They can put your name in too, but I don't think that where you've not been really, I, I'm kind of the author of the podcast, at least for the sake of, you know, who who to come find if they don't like it or something mm -hmm. like that. But uh, just make sure you put Dave Clay in with that and you should be able to find it. You can Google that. You can Bing that. It's uh, pretty easy to find. Should be able to find it easily again enough on your platforms, your podcast platforms. 
Tim. Oh boy. <laughs> Tim. Tim is your husband. Significant other. Your yes. husband. Yes. And you guys have been married. 24 years. 24 years. Does your memory fade after 24 years? <clears throat> well, <laughs> it depends on who you ask. Uh, I guess your memory naturally fades, so I guess I'd have to say yes. Well, well forgetting all those things that have gone behind us and pressing onward to the mark of the highest calling, laying aside all the weights mm -hmm. that sweetly beset us, I guess the memory becomes a bit more selective. The hope is that all the things that otherwise would represent struggles along the way have sort of, again, even as the Apostle Paul kind of, I think, says that in that same way, that represents some dimension of weight, is sort of laid aside. Mm -hmm. It's not important. 24 years. you got a silver anniversary coming up. This fall, yes. And that's what I was going to say. He remembers our anniversary. He remembers my birthday. So there you go. So do you remember <laughs> what it was that really caught Tim's eye? What caught Tim's eye or what caught my eye? Well, I'm going to go with Tim's eye at this oh. point. Oh, yikes. <laughs> well. Is it a fair hmm. question? Uh, yeah, but okay. I, I kind of hate to answer for him because I'm not really sure. But we've actually had this conversation. Um, so there was, of course, I was much younger and probably, you know, looked a little bit different. <laughs> <laughs> and there was, you know, some talk of Linda Carter, but you know, um, for those of you who don't know, that was the Wonder Woman. actress that played Wonder yes. Woman. Yeah. So I guess I'm giving my away. memory did not fade on I'm that that point. <laughs> I'm giving away Tim's secrets, but um, I I don't know. I think it was just um, that he saw. See, he knew me before I knew him. Mm. So he, he saw had his me. Eye on you. He saw me at church, and mm -hmm. I didn't really know who he was. Right. I was kind of like, you know, like, why are you talking to me? I don't know who you are. You know, stranger danger, whatever. But <laughs> and and keep in mind, Tim is six years older than me. So there's that. So yeah, he he saw me and. Um, said he thought I was a nice person and wanted to just spend time with me. And we actually went out a lot before they were, I guess you could call them dates, but really we just spent a lot of time together. We had this thing, lots of good memories of going to Shoney's after church and getting a piece of pie. Mm -hmm. and just Strawberry pie? And just hot walnut brownie. Hot walnut brownie. I'd like to make that. Mm -hmm. But um, so... There was a lot of that before there was ever, you know, like a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of interesting. So I would say then uh -oh. that somewhere in all of that, Tim recognized something about you that was say, unique, different. <laughs> he found very appealing, very attractive. That's fair. Now, I want to say that it would be virtue. Of course, probably any of our listeners who have previously listened to the podcast knows that we love to talk about virtue. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that men are lacking in virtue, but I think mm -hmm. women are sort of, re, at least biblically so, are renowned or at least acknowledged in a really significant or important sort of way as maybe being a bit better at virtue 
than men, or maybe their virtue is a little different. I should say it that way. Yeah. Than than a man's virtue. Mm-hmm. But it's not a complete picture until you put both together. So this idea, though, that somehow Tim must have saw something that mm-hmm. caught his eye, that he knew was like special and unique and important, and would then otherwise have done what he did and what energies he put into wooing you, going out, getting to know you, finding out more about you. Yeah. He that, was a gift giver, too. Yeah. Well, he's generous. Yeah, he is. It's just funny. I was just remembering that one time he got me two. I came back from somewhere. I was gone for a week, and he gave me two perfumes because he didn't know which one to get me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Don't make the mistake of right getting the wrong one. Go ahead and buy both. <laughs> so, so this idea of virtue is important. Maybe it isn't so feminine. Maybe it's because the Bible is kind of written from a masculine perspective. It just seems to be something of a discovery uh, as we read it. Uh, as you go through it, maybe women know all along it just takes men a while to get there, right? And figure it all out, what they're really after, what they're searching for. But virtue is important. And there's a couple of characters, persons in the Bible, women, that really stand out. Uh, we have spoken in previous podcasts about Ruth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to talk a bit about Esther today uh, and all of that within the context of virtue. Uh, But with that, I thought, well, I could contrast or compare the two, uh, Esther and Ruth. And and I think in the King James, uh, it even speaks to Ruth's demeanor, her personality as virtuous. Mm -hmm. And that Boaz recognized that in the same way that Tim did when it came to you. But you know, I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction as I'm inclined to do, right? And uh, again, hopefully by the time the podcast's over, it'll make some sense. And Carolyn, somehow I'm going to, it'll come back up. You'll be in the mix of this, you would tell. I'm not sure exactly how. (laughs) But instead of comparing, and it would probably be a bit of a contrast, but not too much of one, Esther and Ruth, Mm -hmm. what I'm going to suggest is that maybe we take a look at, within the book of Esther, Vashti and Mm -hmm. Esther. And the idea of something happening there that I think was transformative. I don't know that it was ossuaries, ossuaries. I say that, and I could say that until I get on the podcast, and then all of a sudden it's hard to get out of my mouth because I keep thinking about how it's spelled. Ossuaries, I think, is how I'm going to go with the pronunciation. But there was something that changed. And again, in the broadest of contexts, we've been talking about Ezra and Nehemiah, we've been talking about the Babylonian exile, Judah, we've been talking about uh, them coming back and restoring the, 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 the Jews from Jerusalem, uh, the, the temple, and, and some of the struggles in, in podcasts not too long ago, a couple, three or four podcasts ago. Uh, but Mordecai was as much a part of that as was Esther. Mm-hmm. And with that, God was working even on that front. And though we and Ezra and Nehemiah don't maybe get to see all of that happening in the kingdom, I think this is a window into that too. This is transformative for Asuerus. It's transformative in the sense of the Hebrew people. 
being able to be returned to Jerusalem and establishment again, the, res the restoration of that uh, inhabiting or reoccupying the land. And it was all part of God's plan to bring safety and security to Israel when really everyone around them probably had the greatest material advantages of resource and power and will. But God used Daniel and the Hebrew people and particularly Mordecai and now Esther to bring that about. But when you think about Asuerus and his transformation, it was very personal. I don't know that he ever understood in any sort of great way how God was using him for, for even grander purposes. I'm not even sure Esther really understood that. I think Mordecai probably got that a bit better. But maybe he was just like most of us. We just listen to what God tells us to do, and we do it. And right. you know, maybe there's a little bit of a what they're trying to destroy my people, and I have to do everything I can to protect them. Maybe that was the only true motive. Mm -hmm. But God used that situation to promote His will, His purposes, and eventually, as with Israel, Judah, uh, also eventually Christ, mm -hmm. His people. Yes, I was looking up Esther to see. Uh, it's been a little while since I've studied Esther, but, um, you know, that verse that's kind of famous for, you know, for such a time as this. <clears throat> and I think, excuse me, that Mordecai, I think you're right. He was sort of just going along. But, of course, we know he had this vital role. But in the end, I think is when he kind of, um, when it all came together and everybody sort of realized their part in this. But at the time, and don't you think we're kind of like that? At the time when we're going through it, it's just like we're doing what we feel like we're supposed to be doing, but, it, you know, maybe it doesn't make sense or maybe it's, you know, like, yeah, let's do this. But really, it's part of a grander scheme. It's always a grander scheme. It's always bigger than what we imagine. So, um, you know, for them to really fully grasp, I don't think they really fully grasp what God's, bigger plan is, like you said, leading up to Christ. So maybe Tim really didn't understand the big picture of it. Maybe Tim just understood what was necessary in the moment. Now we're going to give him a lot of credit because he's a pretty smart guy and he's got a lot of things well put together. And as you pointed out, he's a bit older, so he's got a bit more experience. But you know, sometimes I think it is like that. You just know it. You know it in your heart. You want to somehow put words to it or thoughts that would otherwise become words to it, but you really can't fully. And you may not even know what's going on in, on the other part of, in the other parts of the world, on the other side of the world. Mm -hmm. But you know what's going on in the immediate sphere that you're in. I, I sort of, I don't mean to interrupt you, I sort of liken that to our adoption experience, our first adoption experience, because... I was sort of just going along with it. You're thinking, okay, God, this is what you've called us to do, apparently, and we're going to follow, we're going to do what you say. And then Tim shares with me, oh, I knew I wanted to adopt when I was seven. <laughs> what seven-year-old thinks about these things? Only Tim. And he got saved when he was seven. Of course he did. And um, I was 15, so I was a little bit, I guess, more rebellious. I don't know. But 
he said he knew when he was little, and maybe the age isn't exactly seven, but he said when he was little that he wanted to adopt when he got older, when he became an adult. So, of course, that sort of sealed the deal because, you know, after, like, I've been planning this for years, you know. Of course, he didn't say that, but in my mind it sort of looked like that, like, okay, this is all part of a bigger plan that I didn't know was going to happen. But it was God's plan. That's the most important thing. And that's why it worked, because it was God's plan. Well, and that's why anything works. And that's right. what you were saying about Mordecai. And that's mm-hmm. what you were saying about Esther. And that's mm-hmm. what we've been saying about Ezra and Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. It's all part of God's plan. Was it perfect? I think we need to point that out. Well, it didn't go. It didn't just flow like smooth and, you know, I mean, there was things, there was people dying. There was death in Esther's story. Well, and the idea would be this. There's a couple ways you can measure that. You can measure that by the outward toward then turn toward the inner, inward, internal, and try to find reconciliation in that. Or you can measure it from the internal, which to me would be the more virtuous dimension mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. spiritual. Right. And recognize then that anything that's spiritually either sanctified or blessed, <laughs> it may take a while and it may take an odd or kind of different course, but it's still sanctified. And, and all of those things will be useful toward mm-hmm. the end that God has in mind mm-hmm. and probably then will be to our greatest success in life if we make that end our own, setting or laying aside all these weights that so be easily beset mm-hmm. us, pressing onward to the mark of the high calling. So, was Vashti a virtuous woman? (laughs) Well, in chapter 1 of Esther, excuse me, I wanted to go back to Vashti's beginning to sort of um, see where she came from. And from the very beginning, um, she was hospitable, you know, having banquets. But then when it came time for her (laughs) to do what she's been asked asking others to do, then that's when um, verse 12 in chapter 1 says she refused to come. And of course, then we know the king became furious and, and things like that. But that's pretty much all that we were given in that. So, and then they start talking about, you know, what's going to happen to her. So, apparently she had some merit, some virtue. This turn of events seems, I guess, out of the ordinary for her? Well, you would want to think, I would want to think that, because Asheris married her. But again, I don't know that he didn't go through a transformation. And of course, he was of the inheritance or the legacy of all those that had come before him. And which wasn't obviously bad. And we've kind of speculated, land of the Chaldeans, they had some relationship with God, so it wasn't that this was completely foreign. But they had otherwise, with Nebuchadnezzar, taken possession of something that wasn't theirs, Mm -hmm. stolen stolen it from Judah. Is that the correct way to pronounce that? (laughs) What, Vashir Asuerus? Yes. I think it's the way the guy does on the Bible app. Really? Yes. He doesn't say Xerxes. Xerxes. It says right here, Asuerus, which which belonged to King Asuerus. And that... also Vashti the queen made a feast for the woman in the royal house, within the royal house, which belonged to King Asuerus. Is that the King James version? Uh huh. Hmm. 
well, maybe I should read the King James Version. Um, so, <laughs> in verse 12, let's go back to that. Asuerus. You are correct. I, however, was looking at the NIV, the New International Version, and in verse 12, it says Xerxes. And Which I, may be one and the same, but right. as much as I'm aware. <laughs> well, let me tell you, the ultimate authority, the video that I'm sure maybe even Sam has watched, was the VeggieTale version of <laughs> Esther. There you go. VeggieTale. Yeah, I mean, if that says Xerxes, then we know it must be Xerxes because, you know, uh, VeggieTales is the ultimate authority on all and, things And that Bible. may just prove our ignorance, too, is that I don't know <laughs> that I'm that deep of a Bible scholar. I'm still pretty <laughs> literal. But whether, whether it was or wasn't, I think the idea, though, was Vashti had an opportunity and refused it. Right. And I think it's interesting. I think they put it the Festival of Wines that this was the, the, the gathering, mm -hmm. and so there was a bit of a, a celebration that was going on, right. and, and uh, I'm not sure all that Asuerus had in mind in terms of wanting the queen to come, mm -hmm. but she refused, right. and it was a big row, and, and <laughs> all the king's men, as they say, uh, got with the king and said, this can't happen. This is sedition. This is mm -hmm. rebellion. And right. then all the women are going to want to do this. Now, I'm not going that direction mm -hmm. in a sexist sort of way because mm -hmm. that's not really what I think this is all about. But what right. I think this is about, though, is when the king decrees that you come, you go. You right. have to go. And we are here to please God. Mm-hmm. We're not here to please ourselves, and as you said, things in the in the material are always kind of confusing and messy, and you know you can get caught up in all those things. But but with that same notion in mind of virtue, whatever the virtue was, the dimension of virtue, and I will go back and say you're right. It's men and women. Uh, I kind of started with that perspective that it was more feminine, but it's both. But God rightly puts the two parts together, and when he put you and Tim together, it did not matter then. And you would not know that until later when it happened. And now 24 going on 25 years later, it's still happening that what God has joined together, no let no person pull asunder. But any point along the way, if you'd gotten caught up in the weeds... If you had not taken direction from the king, which could have been maybe in a marginal way, Tim, but it wasn't Tim. It was God working through Tim. And Asuerus, I don't think, ever had that kind of a conversation with God. But he did with Esther. And he did with Mordecai. And God spoke to him in dreams. Mm-hmm. So very interesting. I love that. I was just reading uh, Daniel this morning about the, or no, excuse me, Ezekiel about the dreams. So I looked that up in Asuerus, if I'm saying that right, is Hebrew. Mm -hmm. So Xerxes might be another Persian. translation. Persian. There you go. Yes. Where's the veggie tales when we need them? Yes. So the ultimate authority. So I wanted to say, when you said that about how that came together, I considered going away to school. I had this um, Christian school in Tennessee I was going to go to, and then I didn't. 
And then, you know, I look at that and, and Tim was going to go off on some big career somewhere and then he didn't. And just the way that things worked out. But I have to say this, if it wasn't for us getting married and having children, those two separate adoptions would have never happened. Macy and Bella would still be in China. I can sign my name to that. Because um, when we had Ethan, our second son, born with albinism, then we realized, oh, one, <laughs> that must run in our family, and our bloodline, and two, when we wanted to adopt, we knew how to take care of him, and we knew that they would not get that kind of care in China. So I just, I'm still, even <laughs> so many years later, amazed at how God, the orchestration that took place. Of course, why are we amazed? He's God. You know, I, I don't know why I'm surprised by that. But just how many things could have changed. How I could have said, no, I, I really don't want to adopt. I mean, just so many things. And, you know, or if I didn't have that second child. Ethan being born with albinism, if it wasn't for that, we would have never thought about adopting them. You know, because they have albinism for our listeners that don't know. But when you think like Vashti, and to think of it in material dimensions alone, when you're really not either inclined to listen, or maybe you don't have the wisdom yet, the understanding which then would open the door to the wisdom to cooperate and participate as in listening, you could refuse. But when you refuse, the king it doesn't stop. No, he said, what, what, uh, what should we do with her? Well, fortunately, he didn't do evil to her. But what he did do was he found the better. And what would be the better in context of our conversation on the podcast? I'm going to limit that. There's probably a, a bunch of other dimensions. We may speak secondarily of those. But the primary is she was virtuous. And not only was she virtuous in context to... Asuerus, Xerxes, mm -hmm. but she was virtuous more so in context of Mordecai, who was virtuous more so in context to the Hebrew peoples and his understanding and his relationship with God. And though he was wise unto a material sort of dimension, he was even wiser because he understood that when God spoke it, mm -hmm. And what God's promises were from the very beginning were going to come to fruition. Mm -hmm. He knew that no matter what it was that he saw as obstacles, which confuses us, makes us, right. oh, it's amazing how all this came together. And if it was left up to me, I probably wouldn't have done it. We could have thought it through. And I'm not discouraging intellect or reasoning or common sense. I'm just saying when you recognize virtue, don't lose sight of it. Mm -hmm. Because it's God that's speaking to you. Mm -hmm. And virtue is amplified two or more in His name. He put husband and wife together for the purpose of building mm -hmm. strength mm -hmm. to otherwise bring fulfillment to His promise. And even as He extended that to Abraham, I'm sure Mordecai knew that. Maybe because he was in the land of the Chaldeans. I don't know. But this was the failing of the Chaldeans. Mm -hmm. They could hear God a bit, but even with that, they didn't do what he instructed. They didn't do what he said. Or if 
they did, they did it more reluctantly, belligerently. But there is something about doing it willfully mm -hmm. that not only puts you in the court of the king, but gives you, <laughs> she didn't take half the kingdom, but could have given her half the kingdom and certainly was what God used to preserve his people. Right. The promise fulfilled. Mm -hmm. What an awesome thought. I mean, I couldn't imagine anything in my human sort of mm -hmm. attempt at comprehending that, conceptualizing that, putting all that together. What more could anybody want than to know they serve God to that end? And Esther got that privilege. Mm -hmm. Why? Because Vashti refused the king. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, I'll be honest, I said all that about our, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, my internal thing to say no. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was bashing to that point. I dismissed a lot of it, and then uh, I think Tim saw the virtue and knew what was happening, and I just had to pray and ask God to show me beyond a shadow of a doubt. And you know, I'm not necessarily proud of that, but I know that my faith was never the same after that. Um, so. You know, once I gave in and decided, okay, I'll go to the banquet, <laughs> then everything turned around. Everything turned around. Well, don't, don't feel too bad because Esther said somewhat the same thing to Mordecai. When Mordecai said, here's what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. You need to get in with the king, present yourself in the court. Mm -hmm. And she said, but you know, if, if he doesn't want me in there, he usually has those folks not only thrown out, but I think possibly you could yeah. die. Yeah. yeah, because it wasn't the king's pleasure. Right. But isn't that a message too? Is that when we're of virtue, in virtue, again, called of God as with righteousness, mm -hmm. then we get to touch the golden scepter. Esther was concerned. But God extends the golden scepter. Now, that's the first time I've associated the story with Asuerus as king and then now God. But I think the parallel is there too. If you're called into the court, I don't care how you got there, as long as you did it the right way, with virtue, with character, mm -hmm. led of the Holy Spirit, which is our virtue, which is the author and the finisher of not only our faith, but that work in us, right. to the end of Christ. Again, Pressing onward to the mark of the highest calling, the fruit of the Spirit, the divine nature operating in that God's will and calling in our life, mm -hmm. laying, casting aside all these things that otherwise would easily beset us, like our doubts and fears, our confusions, all those things that would cause mm -hmm. us to say no. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just, again, defiance. I think Vashti was a little bit offended. Maybe she was a little concerned that she was going to be mistreated in some way. I don't know that. Kind of used because she maybe knew that she what was it chapter one that he she was beautiful to look at and he liked to bring her out and let everybody look at her. Well, and so was Esther, but that didn't stop <clears throat> Esther. And in some ways, I'd like to say though it would not be in the same way the physical dimensions. But I'd like to say if I knew that I served a purpose, mm -hmm. a godly purpose, would I not want to be used of God? And would I see that in a negative way? Mm -hmm. 
Or would I be able to recognize, I hear God calling, I want to do this thing. And though I see all of this, like Esther, like you, I don't know about this. I, I really don't want to go. You know, I'm not saying that we should be too rebellious, but even God will accept the fact that in our flesh, it's hard to see that end from the beginning. Like he can see the end from the beginning, but I'd want to be used of God. I don't see that as me being an object. Actually, when I start to think of it that way, then all of this craziness and the struggle of this life, even my dying to self or my putting myself in that position to give my all for God becomes meaningful. But if I don't see it in that light, then I'm going to say, no, I really don't want to. There's too much drinking going on, too much partying going on. I'm an object. I don't know how safe it is. I don't know how secure it is. I don't like this idea that somehow the king can get together with his buddies and do all this crazy stuff. What about me? He's not. Re- I mean, I'm not sure. It really doesn't say much about her mindset. So is that the difference between Esther and Vashti? Well, I would believe... That Esther wasn't thinking about being used Mm -hmm. except in the most positive of ways. Mm -hmm. And with that, it wasn't because Mordecai just said to do it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even because she trusted Asuerus. It's because she knew, recognized the call of virtue. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a hard thing. Because I think that's where faith comes from. Mm -hmm. Real courage comes from the heart. But if you don't have courage, you don't make it 24 years in a marriage. If you don't have courage, you don't make it 25 years. You don't adopt how many kids? Two. You don't adopt kids with special needs. You don't adopt kids that are from the very start. Many would consider to be so broken that the task would be impossible. Because you're not looking at that. (laughs) What you're looking at is, I see the virtue in this. Now, maybe Tim's at seven. I mean, little Samuel, right? Maybe at seven. But for a time such as this, right. God called you, the two of you, for that purpose. And it's opened up ministry doors. I mean, we talked about this before. I know our listeners know a bit of this, and I don't want to go too far in it because I don't want to necessarily have to repeat all that. But he's called you into missionary work mm-hmm. as a result of that. Mm-hmm. And probably things that I couldn't even begin to understand because I don't know you well enough except in the, you know, the relationship we have here. But I'm sure there's all sorts of books. There would be not enough pages. It's like the book of Revelation at the end <laughs> to talk about how good God is. The ink would run out. Is that what it's yes. not a scroll, not a paper? Well, that, that's, that's, I really appreciate what you said, that if you could have seen me when we were going to go meet Macy, I believe it was, and I just stood there, and I couldn't move. I was frozen with fear, and Tim pushed me, put me in the back, and I said, I can't do this. I can't do this, and he said, yes, you can, and he kind of, you know, put it out there, and, and I was like, I, I don't think I can, and he said, yes, you can, and so there's been many instances, that being one of them, where when I followed God and when I went even having to be a little bit pushed that I knew I was doing what he wanted and then that ultimately was the right thing to do. It's servant's heart. Well, it's not, um, it's not easy. And I want to point out too that Esther, as soon as Mordecai said that, you know, that famous thing, famous verse, you know, you've come to this world position for such a time as this, the first thing out of her mouth is, Go get everybody together 
and fast for me. Like she immediately went to that, to God, and immediately, like, we have to take this to the Lord and help not my belief, yet my unbelief is going to come with that, but by much prayer and fasting. Yeah, and then, and then the, the ending that we know, and if I perish, I perish. So she was willing just to give it all up, lay it all mm-hmm. down. Right. For the purposes of God. Yeah. She was willing to give everything up. But I just feel like that's so important to not miss that, that she went immediately instead of like, how am I going to do this? And, you know, gather some people and ask them or whatever, like, you know, Joe and his friends. She immediately was like, let's take this to God. So who could do that? Esther. Esther. And you. And and, and I'm going to say this. More generally speaking, and, and I hope that anybody that listens to the podcast, and I welcome all commentary, but listen to the whole podcast. Yes, Don't absolutely. just listen to a verse or right. a part, not a verse, right. but a, a portion of it, mm-hmm. and then take it out of context and then blast us with absolutely. it. But all of us that serve God are going to serve God in that way. But that's why we can serve God in that way, because the humility of it is, is that we don't think we can, but God says, oh yeah, you can. And not only does he say that once, but he persists. Now, you can refuse or reject Mm -hmm. that calling, and there is going to be consequences. Mm -hmm. How could there not be? But it's sort of like knowing that you could have, that's probably not a good analogy, could have won the lottery because the person that bought the ticket after yours, or you went up to buy it, you didn't, they bought it, they won the lottery. Mm -hmm. It could have been yours. Mm Mm-hmm. But you refused. Mm-hmm. You double clutched. You thought twice. You got caught up in your own head. Mm-hmm. You didn't have the courage in your heart. You didn't say what Esther said. You didn't understand. This kind cometh out but by much prayer. Mm-hmm. Moving God's hand. Fasting. Laying aside me. My concerns. And even if this kills me. It's for a grander and greater purpose. Right. Now, I'm not going to go and say or say you go and die for anything. And mm-hmm. don't die for Asuerus. Xerxes, don't. Mm-hmm. Die for God. But know that God can be in those situations and circumstances. Mm-hmm. Right. But I also remind you and our, our listeners, 12 months, I think it was, she was sanctified. Before she could get even into the court of the king. Mm-hmm. And with that then, was cleansed, made clean, so she could do what otherwise the king needed her to do or wanted of her without defiling him with things of the worldly sort of dimension. But it's the same thing with God. Are we not sanctified? Are we not now waiting for our our husband, our groom to come to marry us? Mm -hmm. Are we not being prepared even as we speak? Mm -hmm. Would that not go into all of this? Right. That our heart is directed toward the virtue, the calling Mm -hmm. that we experience is directing us toward an end that is greater than anything we can imagine, even if it should require us to lay everything that we have down, mm-hmm. Jesus is going to pick it back up again. Absolutely. Yeah, I think of Joseph in that pit. I mean, it was going to be over. You know, he was going to be dead. <laughs> now, did he ask to go there? No. He wasn't trying to fulfill something for God. But I thought of him earlier when you when you mentioned something similar about how it took so much time. 
but he was redeemed in such a beautiful way. And then all the people, the nation, the, the people that would have died from that famine, and they all lived. And, you know, we may not see what's happening. We may not understand what's going on, but God is using us for a purpose. But isn't that also the entire Bible message? Because he saved a people mm-hmm. by the act of one person. Right. Now, was Esther Jesus? No. Would anybody be able to do that in the way that Jesus did that once and for all? No. But we're all called to the same, mm-hmm. which would be to lay down our life for others in that manner. Right. But it has the same implications. Because when we do that in the name of Jesus, or we do that out of the Holy Spirit, or we do that out of, again, the virtue of God, Mm -hmm. the righteousness of God, His calling on our life, we do that as bride to Christ. We don't earn it, but we set our heart as to be one with His. Two or more, again, are gathered together in His name. Why would we, again, not expect such great return? Mm -hmm. Because that really is what we're doing. We're helping God assisting God as his plan would be. Mm-hmm. I've got to be careful how I say that. It's not us doing it, but we're right. the instruments God's choosing mm-hmm. to use. Mm-hmm. And in that we're his hands, we're the material manifestation of Christ mm-hmm. in a way that he uses us, even as he used Esther, mm-hmm. to bring about this change of heart. The, the idea that somehow there was a transformation in Asuerus. Mm-hmm. His heart was changed. Mm-hmm. He didn't even know it. Isn't that beautiful how God can just transform people and save people and just use us? Sometimes we know it. Sometimes we don't know it. Maybe we're better if we don't know it. Unless we get the big head and, and, oh, look what I did, you know. But um, Xerxes is an interesting character. (laughs) But I I just, there's so many pieces of that that had to come together. and, And Mordecai being at the right place to overhear them talking and just... Esther, the whole, you know, him raising her. And, you know, where was her parents? Why was he raising her? I I read that a moment ago, but I don't remember exactly. So all the things that had to happen, uh, you know, me and Tim's bloodline both had to be put together to produce a child like that. It couldn't have been me with somebody else. It couldn't have been Tim with somebody else. All the things that God uses to orchestrate um, to achieve his purpose, to me, is just amazing. And Asuerus allowed virtue to enter into his heart. Hmm. Now again, I think that's the transformation. I don't think it was just that Vashti was refusing. I'm not sure Asuerus knew anything about what was going to happen. He's Mm -hmm. kind of clueless and in the dark. I mean, after all, they were going to kill him until Mordecai finally pointed that out and saved his life, which is, gosh, we could go, we could go in so many different directions with the messaging of this, of this book and and all the implications. Mm -hmm. And as it relates to the Bible and the salvation message, but in a very, very simple and basic way, he recognized virtue. Mm-hmm. You can say it was her beauty, and maybe that was his initial attraction to her in some physical dimension. But somewhere along the way, and I think in that dream, it became more, maybe even as Nebuchadnezzar, it became more of a, a spiritual awareness. Mm-hmm. But he came to a point of realizing there's something about this that's mm-hmm. more than beauty. Mm-hmm. There's something about this than, that's more than just me being king. Mm-hmm. Like King Darius. Yes. And, you know, when they realize and they see 
of course, we, we get to read the whole story, but they were living it, and they thought they knew what was happening until God shows up on the scene, and then something else completely different happens. And the world has changed, and people's hearts, more importantly, are changed. So do you think that could happen again? That there could be another Esther moment? Yes. Yes. But we have to be willing to do what Esther did. And that's, that's where the rub is, you know, to be obedient, to know where to go. She went to God. And then to be willing to follow him in a place that maybe we've never been before. She'd never been in the king's castle before, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. So, and to go through that 12 months of process, I mean, that's a long time. And one could easily, you know, after a few months, I don't know about this. <laughs> Nothing's happening. I, you know, I thought God said to do this, but I don't know now. She had a lot of things going on, but yet she persevered. She was willing and obedient. Well, and that's where, again, I think sometimes it's just faith, maybe all the time. Mm-hmm. It's a faith walk. Right. And again, recognizing what God's voice sounds like. Mm. So that we understand and we know yes. when He speaks to us. Because you may not get anything else. You may not get any other evidence or sign. Mm-hmm. But not that God's trying to confuse you or, or not support you or not encourage you or not strengthen you. But I think what He wants is us to just not only recognize His voice, but to know that's our sufficiency. Mm. But whether I could do that kind of create this narrative and, in, you know, kind of, I don't know, I want to say inspire, but that sounds a bit like I'm thinking I'm something that I'm not. I don't know that I would intend to inspire out of myself, but I could make a narrative. I could say, this is what we're called to. This is the church. This is our church moment. This is a time in history when we need to do these things. We could be like Esther. We could understand that there's a purpose in our life. And even as I say all of that, that may be true. Mm-hmm. And that may be inspiring and encouraging. That's mm-hmm. why I said inspire a moment ago. But I don't know that I want that to be it. I don't know that that's bad. Because mm-hmm. kind of that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But I want to make sure our listeners understand. If you don't have the heart, if you don't have the relationship with Jesus, if you don't see it in this way that He's preparing you for something, mm-hmm. something of an Esther moment. And there may be many of them, and we know the ultimate Esther moment is when Jesus comes again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the marriage feast of the Lamb. I mean, I don't know if that's a festival of wines. I don't know, again, if it's wrong or right to see some parallel between God and Asuerus. But I have a feeling that there'll be another festival and that we're going to be called And are we going to be prepared? Mm -hmm. Are we going to be ready? Are we going to be able to go in? Is it going to be that marriage feast of the Lamb? Are we going to have oil in our lamps? I was just thinking that. Just literally thinking, are we going to have the oil? Are we going to be ready? That's a great question. And that's one we all have to answer. Whether we think we do or not. Or maybe, who was it? I was trying to think of who that was yesterday. The... um, the man that said, not today, maybe another day. I can't place who it was. And, you know, we tend to put off things like that. But this 
this thing cannot be put off because one day we will have to face it. And hopefully like Esther, and I, I'm glad you pointed out the faith part. I wasn't sure what you were going to say. The faith has to come prior to those other things. I said willingness, obedience, you know, to actually do it. But we have to have faith. You have to have courage. And courage yeah. isn't something of yourself. It's of God. Right. And He will do that through us. But we have to believe that He will do it. Yes. I mean, you know, we can't just be like, well, He said He would. But we have to believe that so that we can act on it. Because our actions come from our beliefs, what we think. Well, so. it's, it's stepping out. Mm-hmm. It's as they say, stepping out. And, and mm-hmm. God is a, a, a diligently... Seek after Him. He's, he rewards those that diligently seek after Him. But he, he is honored in our faith. Right. And He's pleased. It's impossible to please God without faith. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, you read the faith chapter. And you think to yourself, would my name ever in any sort of way be comparable with any of those? And I think the, the point is... One, probably that's the wrong way to approach it. But once you approach it that way, then you get to say this. Of course, they were just recognized. Mm -hmm. We may not get the same degree of recognition, but our faith walk is just as important. Right. And that's, I think, where that comes from. Mm -hmm. Is it Hebrews 13? Is that the... 11. 11. Yes. And so the idea is, it is. But you have to... To know God's voice. Mm-hmm. You have to have a relationship with Him. And certainly accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior not only brings that to that level of not only awareness, but with that then in our awareness, our ability to choose to follow our obedience, mm-hmm. as you said. But at the same time, it would be too, not only does that bring it to our awareness and our obedience, But it gives us this wonderful chance to recognize that Jesus sets us free or liberates us from the things that would hold us back. Our doubts, our disbeliefs, Mm -hmm. because we shift that from having to find that in ourselves to finding it as it rightly should be found in God's. Mm It's impossible to please God without not only faith, as you pointed out, obedience, Mm -hmm. but it gives us that ability to step out and do the things. Mm Because if it were of me, I couldn't. Right. Well, be really candid. I'd be Vashti. Yeah. Right? I just refuse to go. It's not fair. I'd come up with some justification for a while. But, you know, translating this back or bringing this back to what we do at Covenants, I think this is a message for the individuals that come see us. Mm -hmm. Whether it is within the context of the podcast today, marriage, we celebrated yours, Tim's. Maybe theirs. We need to help them see it that way. Right. Maybe it's just something else that they need to overcome or work through that's scaring them to death. Haven't we all been bashy at one time? Oh, I guess that's the point. I mean... That's the contrast. I mean, I, I could have gone with Ruth, but Ruth was just like... Too virtuous. I mean, there's really no contrast yeah. in Ruth. Both of them were, but Vashti is a much better contrast. Well, I just I want our listeners to realize that that we recognize that we are we are not always Esther. We're not always Vashti, but we have been Vashti at one point or another. And so, I want our listeners to know there's absolutely no guilt or shame, at least from us. And if you have put that on yourself, then you know, I would encourage you to reach out to us so that we can talk about that together and sort of work through that. Well, and in that same sort of a way, that virtue, the Holy Spirit, He's going to be there. Right. 
And when we talk, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. And it may be the same dimensions too. Maybe on the front end, they won't recognize it. They're coming out of a place and maybe they're, again, the way they've been seeing things in their life has been more material and again, would incline them not to rather than to, mm-hmm. you know, send me Lord, that type of thing. But if they will be with us in that moment mm-hmm. and we can recognize and we can do what we're doing on the podcast and allow the Holy Spirit to really have His way, when they leave, there's a power that they live with. It may mm-hmm. still take a while for them to see how all of that's going to come to fruition, and they may need us along the way to help mm-hmm. them to continue, particularly on the front end of that. Right. Make that calibration mm-hmm. to, to, to take all of that in terms of then choice and will and to line it up from the heart, not from the out, mm-hmm. not analysis, paralysis of analysis, yeah. not from the outward, but from the heart and see how all the pieces, mm-hmm. especially at the moment they're in, are fitting together rightly. Because God does that. Mm-hmm. And He will give us a supernatural wisdom and a power mm-hmm. to see that. Maybe initially in spiritual dimensions, but it will always have a material manifestation mm-hmm. that will then parallel. It will show or demonstrate that true glory of God. Which is He loves us. And we have a mission and a purpose. And the message is salvation for as many as would receive it. In the name of Jesus, with Him as our Lord and Savior, you can do all things again through Christ who strengthens you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that that just makes me think of our listeners even more because, you know, we... We need that. We need that um, reassurance and just to know that somebody else is walking through that with you and that, you know, we haven't all arrived. I mean, you know, you might adjust your halo and such, but as far as I'm concerned, I still <laughs> am on my journey to be more like Christ. And, you know, what what better way to do it together to share not only our victories in Christ, which also encourages, empowers, strengthens, you know, we're overcomers by the word of our testimony. Not only does it help others, but then it strengthens our faith because, you know, that's evidenced in our life. When we went to adopt Macy the second time, I couldn't use the excuses I used the first time because God showed up and then my faith was strengthened. And it's like, oh, well, I can't really say he won't provide. (laughs) What can I say now? You know, but but my faith was changed. And so when we step out, when we become Esther, we're no longer the same person. And the great thing is that other people get to see that. God is glorified. And then hopefully other people will want that for their own lives. So, the invitation is an open one. Anybody who would feel like they would want to sit down, have a conversation, open the Word, the book, the Word, uh, open our hearts to the living Word, allow the Holy Spirit to bring clarification, maybe new interpretation of the word, not that it's different in the sense that it doesn't all come back to Jesus or the central message of salvation in Christ, but you have a unique path to take. I do, they do. Mm-hmm. Covenants would be a good place for them to come to. So, do what you do so well. 
tell them how to reach out to us should they want to. I hope I do it well. Absolutely. When we want our listeners to reach out to us, you can give us a call, 304-528-9220. Is that right? I had to question myself there for a second. <laughs> I have so many numbers in my head. And also, as David pointed out earlier, our podcast, which we definitely want you to share with somebody about that, you can find that on our Facebook page under Covenants. You can also go online, go to covenantsonline.org. Com. com. Covenantschristiancounseling.com. Yes. Okay. So we have multiple ways you can reach us. <laughs> the important you thing could is just Google. And, you can and, Google us. And you could Bing us and just say, yep. what is Covenant Specialized Pastoral mm-hmm. Care? Make sure you include Dave Clay and you'll get the podcast. Mm-hmm. And with that, then there's usually some sort of listing of Covenants and our phone number and right. various websites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be sure and check out our Facebook page for encouragement. And um, I'm going to be posting some articles on there. And just you never know what's going to be on there, but definitely our podcast. So be sure and check that out. All right. So I think we have a wrap, as they say. <laughs> That's a wrap. That's a wrap. But I also would want to uh, make sure that our listeners know we thoroughly totally, completely enjoy being able to share God's Word, whether it's on the podcast or in the actual Christian counseling or pastoral care setting. So uh, join us either either way. But we will then have an, our podcast, I think will be posted weekly, we'll have a new edition mm-hmm. of Covenants. So try to check us out and join us again for that next edition of Covenants with Carolyn Barnett. And Dave Clay. <laughs>